Hey everyone, it's the Delay of Game Podcast. We're here to talk about week three and look ahead to week four. It's me, Matt, and your boy Wit. So we had another pretty great week for most teams. For um, most teams, yeah. We're not but gonna for other teams, it was like uh injury central. Yeah, and some of them we're just gonna completely ignore and not talk <laughs> about the ass whooping that got handed to them. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I feel like I might be doing a disservice to our listeners to deprive you of this therapeutic session that <laughs> seemingly you're going to have on a weekly basis. Oh, it doesn't look great for me right now. That week one high is having to hold me through a lot. Oh, <laughs> uh, listen, I want to be supportive of you. I really do. But I just I can't do it. It's so funny how week one came. I was feeling great, and you were like, oh, no, the season's over, and now you have two straight wins, and the commanders have two straight losses, and things feel very different. It's true, and that's that's one of the things we were talking about in week one, overreactions. That's what we both did, and now look where we are. Now, I can assure you they'll probably be changed in another two weeks, but we'll see. <laughs> week one is meant for overreactions, for sure. Yeah, it's still early-ish, right? Like. Plenty of time to correct the ship to get things going on track. I don't know if they can, but... There isn't enough games in the season for you guys to correct the ship. (laughs) Sorry, buddy. (laughs) There's plenty for the Cowboys to start losing, though. You're not playing the Giants Accurate. Accurate. (laughs) That is unfortunate, too, because, fuck, that was good to watch. I don't want to preview too much for later on the discussion, but week four... (laughs) (laughs) It <laughs> looks like probably more of the same for you guys. More of the same probably for both of us. Probably, probably. All right, well, then let's jump right into the couple of games we've got. We kind of ear-pinned here uh, for, from last week that were really exciting games. It uh, looks like the first one was the Detroit-Minnesota game. That this was one, really good. Yeah, it was a great game. It, again, the Lions are so much more competitive than yes. they were. Like This is a huge jump in year two. It really is. I think the only problem that happened in this game is that the Lions came across 1 p.m. Kirk Cousins. 1 p.m. Kirk Cousins is a different animal. (laughs) I don't understand it. I don't know how his body understands, but that's the only thing that happened. It was a great game for both teams. He needs Kirk Cousins needs to have zero pressure, zero eyeballs watching him uh, to deliver. (laughs) Yeah, no pressure, uh, no one's watching, no one can tweet about it. Like, there has to be other worldly events going on that takes everyone's focus away from him. Yes, so that, yeah, we saw no mistakes from him because it was, again, a 1 p.m. game. Now, I think the bigger component for the Vikings was Dalvin Cook, almost 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, true. That uh, That Detroit Lions defense is awful. Just... It's not playing well right now. And that's not to say that it can't get better. I'm going to, I see that little look you gave me, a little little twinge. I'm going to call this back. Just don't worry. Okay. I was just going to say they looked real damn good week two from what I saw. (laughs) At least for a half. No, I think they have a lot of potential. They got some young pieces on that line's defense. They can keep it going and developing. I think we could see them getting better and better. I still think they have some talent they need to add to it. Uh, they've been really helped out by Amon Ross St. Brown, just kicking ass. The Vikings yeah, but he just to... tweaked his ankle, though. There you go. 
Yeah, so he didn't have as big of a game, wasn't able to take over like he has in really the previous eight weeks. Like, he's had some <laughs> awesome games in a row. Well, that's what we were talking about. Like, injuries are piling up for some of these teams, and it's terrible to see because other teams, not saying that the, uh, the Lions were, but some of these teams are look like they could have been front runners. Health and depth is so important in the NFL because we see that every year the teams that get the most hurt tend to be the worst teams because it's just the way it is. If you get 20-plus injuries, you're not going to do that well, especially if they're key contributors, key starters. And then depth. Depth is huge. Exactly. And how wild is it that we're talking about the NFC North and the Packers haven't already run away with it? I know there were only three weeks in, but normally at that point, it feels like they've jumped out to an insurmountable lead. But they're 2-1. and one. The uh, Vikings are 2-1. and one, And I want to say the Bears are 2-1. and one. Yeah. The Bears have gotten lucky with that schedule. They're shocking oh, yeah. two and one. And then the Packers were seeing what happens when Aaron Rodgers can't throw the ball 30 times to Devontae Adams. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it, you don't think that one player can make your all pro quarterback look pedestrian or make him feel pedestrian. But we're, we're seeing the effects right now. Real time. We're seeing a couple of these teams where they have lost receiver options. And their quarterback play has definitely suffered. Or the inverse, where they have great receivers, and we're seeing much improved quarterback play. It's true. It's true. Speaking of uh, additions of great receivers, let's look at our next game. We've got the Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. We thought this was going to be a fun game, and it was. Just like we talked about in the second ago, Tua's receivers are making him look awesome. It's not to say that he's not playing pretty damn well, too. But his receivers are helping him out like crazy. Although in the defense of Buffalo, it does help that your all pro safety, all pro uh, corner were both out. And I think they had another guy who got hurt. So the injuries piled up on that team. And they held them in check fairly well until I think it's the fourth quarter when they finally had that big pass to Waddle. Yeah. But I was going to say it, kudos. It was a, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going to jump in and say no, no. kudos to board game Steve from my group he was mm-hmm. tweet, uh, texting that he was very worried about the injured secondary from the bills he thought that gave miami a chance and that turned out to be a big part of what happened no kidding i mean this dude's got uh, like ears to the ground like he knew what, exactly what was going on well he's a super buffalo fan so oh okay he's uh he's a bills mafia yeah our first bills mafia listener i believe huh okay i didn't i didn't know we didn't have any of those i thought that our entire timeline was flooded with Bills and Finns fans because those are the ones we we love to talk about. <laughs> we love but, this shit roast to a but he is proving us wrong. He is. And don't get me wrong, I think Tua is playing up to his draft status finally, right? But it goes to show when you put great pieces around a guy, it makes a huge difference. So Great for Mike McDaniel, scheming these guys, getting them involved early, and keeping them keeping their teams in games. Great to be aggressive, too. Like We've seen several teams be aggressive, getting talent, just really trying to stockpile it to help their team get better, especially their young quarterbacks. And it's been proving to be a pretty good plan. Exactly. Now, I do have to wonder at this point for Bill's Mafia, what's your outlook you know, you see all these injuries piling up. You've got the Ravens that are coming up. You've got some other teams on the schedule. 
what happens? Because it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to win their division and just roll into the playoffs. That may not be the case anymore. I don't think that changes in my mind, at least. I mean, I know Dolphins are winning it right now, but Josh Allen is still Josh Allen. Like, he still had a huge game. He was phenomenal. This was kind of like a wasted opportunity game. I feel like they should have rolled the Dolphins. They didn't score at the end there. It was fourth and one. They couldn't Mm -hmm. punch it in. I don't know why you run it up the middle when you have Josh Allen. Why don't you roll him out and let him have the run pass option? And yeah, that would have been a much defense, better play. But I feel like it was a wasted opportunity there for them. You're going to have those, though. Even if you go a great season's like 12 and 5, you're still losing five <laughs> games then. This is one of them. Yeah. Well, and this kind of feels like last season where the Bills and the Patriots met up early in the season and the Patriots just ran the ball at them all game to take the win. And then when they met up later, the the Buffalo Bills just completely steamrolled the shit out of them. So I think this could be another one of those situations. You get that division loss out of the way early. Yeah, This is a crazy game in which the Bills dominated basically in every stat you could. Yeah. Time of possession, yards, everything but where it matters the most, points. They didn't convert the points. And that's why football is the ultimate team game. Because no one thing or no one person can really make or break uh I guess, a victory or a loss. Things just have to fall the right way. And that's really what happened here. So before we move on, I have to bring up the most important development from the Bills game. Okay. Gabe, Gabe Davis, even though he's on my team, he also might be my favorite player because he wore the office cleats during warm-up <laughs> that had, uh, what's his name? Michael Scott, but when he was from the prison, prison Mike. Yeah, prison mic on them. <laughs> that man is my hero. You know what? It's funny you say that because I also have a hero from the Bills staff and organization, Ken Dorsey. Watching him flip out in the offensive coordinator's booth, <laughs> that was the epitome of every NFL fan who has ever watched their team completely just lose a game by the like skin of their teeth. Like that dude had every day every man energy and I'm here for it. I can completely feel for him. Cause I would be there too. It's like, I love it. The fucking end game of Madden. The, <laughs> I love the end where the dude's hand like gets in front of the camera. Like, Oh, we, we can't show this. No, 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 no. <laughs> Fuck that. Move your hand, Steve. I want the people to watch. <laughs> like Everyone that was so good. It was I so been good. hot too. It's like you call the perfect plays and then it's like, why didn't that guy just run out of bounds? You know, I know like, it would have been a tough play, but do it. Oh, it was so crazy because like you're watching him. You see him like throw his hat off. Then he throws his headset off. Then he's throwing his papers. If the hand wouldn't have been there, that dude would have been butt naked in no time. Like, he, <laughs> he, he was losing his shit. It he was, was about so to good. Throw everything that he could find. Yeah, no, that was amazing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway. All right. So what is the last game we have up here, Matt? What do you see? So. I think a real surprise for everybody, Kansas City, Indianapolis. It's true. And you know, when you say surprise, though, I don't think it was a surprise for anyone outside of Indianapolis. Like, or, I'm sorry, anyone in uh, in the state of Indianapolis, in, uh, in Indianapolis, in Indianapolis. <laughs> Ooh, man, I've been drinking. Sorry. <laughs> the words are just not coming out right. But yeah, anyone in Indianapolis, this wasn't a surprise to them. They've been all in since the beginning. They knew it was coming. 
They knew it was just time for Matt Ryan to have a just a mediocre enough game to win. That's right. Okay, they had excellence for what was it? 12 years with Peyton Manning and then a couple of really good years with Andrew Luck. At this point, they just want mediocrity and they got it and it got them a win. I thought you were going to say it's not a surprise to our listeners when we've been harping on the fact that Kansas City is having a much harder time on offense without Tyreek Hill there. We saw it yet again this week. Also true. Now, but with that being said, though, I think that the uh, the receivers for the for the Chiefs uh, did they they did step up. I mean, you had a couple of guys who were in the double digits. I mean, 89, 55 yards. But you're right. You don't have the Tyreek Hill numbers that you were used to seeing before. Hundred plus, you know, two touchdowns. Like I get it. Things are a lot tougher for them, which is what we said. We didn't say they were going to be terrible. We didn't say that they were suddenly going to just drop off and be nobodies. But it's a lot tougher for, than what they used to have, where they had yeah Hill just wide open. Which guess what? He's doing the same exact thing for the Dolphins. He's running wide open at times. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not getting that from any of these receivers they have now in the Chiefs. They're just a yeah. different level completely. Like There's not many guys who are Hill. It's true. And now we, we essentially know what we're going to get from the Chiefs. So I'm not going to harp on them. I'm going to ask you this question, Matt, and I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. This is a yes or no answer. Okay. Are we about to see the Colts go on a barn burner? Are they about to go on a tear? Have they righted the ship and they just put it together? No, I don't think so at all. That's the right answer. Okay. Just making sure. <laughs> just making I don't sure. think they're suddenly an amazing team because they beat the Chiefs. I think, again, this is kind of like I feel the, the Miami-Buffalo game, Buffalo kind of lost it. I think the Chiefs lost it. You know, they yeah. didn't. They played better statistically, again, except for where it mattered, which was the points. Exactly. And just like the Buffalo game, it came down to a fourth down play, right? Fourth down, uh, was it? I think it was like fourth and three, fourth and four, something like that. Uh, Mahomes throws the pick trying to force the ball in. That was a great play by the Indianapolis defense to steal the win. But I don't think it really changes the trajectory or the path that we have for both of these teams in the end. So I think that's it for our week three discussion. <clears throat> or at least recap of football games. Let's talk about some of the stuff that happened. We'll let everyone I was, know. I was gonna say, oh, yep. Yeah, well, guys, that was our that was our show for the week. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> That's it. We're we're getting real tight with this thing. <laughs> we're we're leaning it out, guys. Okay, we gotta cut <laughs> expenses. <laughs> no, like, well, you were just saying we're ready to start talking about some of our thoughts from this past week, and I want to start with one we've been talking about. I want to say since the draft, hell, maybe even since the preseason, uh, more accurately. Does Kenny Pickett get the start at this point? I don't know if he's going to because Trubisky isn't the problem. He's doing at least what we expected him to do. Mm -hmm. Very mediocre. He's not necessarily losing games either, though. Like, I'm surprised he hasn't thrown more interceptions. He's been okay. You're right. I mean, he's he's doing exactly what we expected and exactly what you've seen from his history. I think he's at like a 60% completion rating right now. He's only got two touchdowns in the season, like 500 yards. Uh, but I feel like you can get those stats from Kenny Pickett. Only difference is Kenny Pickett needs the, the playing time. But we knew that a couple of weeks ago. I think that's what we said a couple of weeks ago. So if you're not willing to do it three weeks ago, what changed now? I think they're going to wait till... Later on in the season, when it's like, oh, the pressure's off. 
And mm-hmm. that's when they're going to bring in Kenny Pickett when it's like, here, just go play eight games. Doesn't fucking matter if you win or not. Our season's over. Have fun. No, 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 no. That's the wrong approach, especially from to Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is competitive to the very end. The problem I see with him keeping uh, Mitch Trubisky in is the receivers are going to quit on him. You already saw it with George Pickens last week where he was just fucking frustrated. He beat his guy on a little comeback route and Mitch didn't even look his way. Beat his guy bad. So I think that's the risky run. You're right. And I think they should start him. I think they probably should have started him from the get-go. Because if you don't have a good team that's going to win, then what you need to be doing is developing a quarterback. Exactly. And what helps develop quarterback? Game time experience. Hell, they're about to play the Jets next week. What better way to boost your confidence than go up against the whole hapless Jets? Now, I could be wrong, but I don't believe the Steelers line is giving up a ton of pressure. But don't quote me on that. So that's the only time I'd say not to play a rookie is if he's getting killed. But in... I'm going to preface this with it was the preseason, right? It's all vanilla shit. You don't, you can't really take a whole lot from it, but in the preseason, Kenny Pickett looked impressive. Like he had like almost an 80% completion rate. Like that's gotta be worth something. Unless they're seeing something in the training or not training, but during the week, you know, or maybe in the mm-hmm. QB room where he just doesn't seem to be getting the full offense. So they worry that they can't, play do everything right and they have to limit the offense too much with them i would be starting him though throw him to see what happens with the rookie contracts we've seen it where teams will start a rookie if he doesn't do well just start over it's not that hard to do nowadays it's not but on the other side of the coin if he's playing well oh perfect we found our guy we just build around him right that's this perfect is a perfect opportunity the sooner you do that the sooner you can take advantage of the rookie contract and start adding pieces, just like Miami did. Ah, okay, I see what you did there. Well played, sir. That's a great segue into our next question, or next takeaway, that Miami game. Do you think the Dolphins skirted the NFL concussion protocol? 100%, yes. It seemed pretty obvious yeah. to everyone. I don't know how Tua got back on that field. I, I, I can't see it. Like, after you see his head hit the turf and you see him get up and he's like buckling and all that stuff, that, that should have been the end of it. Like it back spasms, that, that's what they went with. I don't get these teams that want to rush a quarterback back to the field to get him more hurt. We need to start protecting these guys. Like you do so much to protect them and then you rush them back after a severe injury. Thank you. Like a severe, your brain got rattled. That that is as, as severe as it gets, in my opinion. And I get it. There are warriors, a warrior's mentality. They just want to get back on the field to be with their guys. Your job as a coach is also to protect them from themselves. Like McDaniel should have stepped up in that situation. We've seen a lot of coaches fail in that respect, though. And I don't get how you fail unless there's people aren't telling them. And that's an organizational failure if they're not getting the right information from their medical training staff. Like they need to know and then protect players. Okay. But there's a difference between a high ankle sprain and like a turf toe injury that you can't really tell when the jumbotron is locked in on your quarterback as it normally is. And you see him stumbling. No one has to tell you anything like you should have been like, get him out, pull him over. Don't let him back in the game. 
But I, I'm going to be curious to see what the NFL does uh, if they punish them in any way. I guess you'll have to be diagnosed with a concussion, which I don't know if that's happened yet. I'm trying to look, but I didn't see if it's been the case. No, no. I think it's, it was officially mm. diagnosed as back spasms. And they're saying that's what caused him to fall. Fall and stumble. I'm, gotcha. Yeah, I did, I've had back spasms. Never caused, never caused me to get noodle legs. But who I, knows? I think the NFL has, still has an issue with concussions because of the whole tough guy mentality. I know, I think it was last week, a Washington player got hit in the head. And he stayed in until a couple plays later. Then like, oh, wait, we got a call down. You got to come off the field and get, you know, get checked out. Everyone watching could tell that like you probably need to get him checked out. Absolutely. So I don't Absolutely. know why the coaches don't seem to be on board. And that maybe that's what it is. Maybe just coaches don't want to lose their good players to anything unless they have to. And so they're mm-hmm. not incentivized or I don't know, punished enough when that doesn't happen. <laughs> they need to say, have we know I was gonna say if we know anything about Dolphins uh ownership, they love to incentivize everything. <laughs> So, I don't know. We'll see. But, I mean, careers are so short for coaches and players. I don't think they necessarily give a shit. Like, you have to win games in their mind. So, I think that's what they're going to do regardless. But Win at all costs. I think you should protect people, especially when it's a brain injury. You know what? That's that's not for us to decide, Matt. Until someone starts writing checks with the NFL on it for us, that that's not our call. We just we look with our eyes and we diagnose with our eyes. That's it. Who are we? We're I think smart people. So eh, since man. we are smart people, what's our opinion on Philly and Jalen Hurts? Like, do are you are we trying to find out if he's as good as advertised or if it's all a mirage? Right? Like, is that yeah. Where what's we're at? the truth here? What do we want to let the listeners know? Is he the real deal or not? Is the Philly a real contender, as everyone's saying? I think Philly is a contender. I think if you're a fantasy football owner, you <clears throat> keep Jalen Hurts in the starting lineup. I don't think that the numbers that we're seeing from him are true numbers. Does that make sense? Like, he's been playing teams and putting up good numbers and putting up yards and stats and all that stuff, but the quality of opponent matters. The fact that you're throwing to A.J. Brown, who is a top receiver in this league, against some team's number two uh, corner. Like, it, it, these things matter. I don't know. That's just me. Where, what do you think? They've definitely built a very good team. We see that they are strong in the positions that matter the most. Mm-hmm. They have a great pass rush, obviously. Great D-line. Their secondary is playing well. Darius Slay is shutting down tons of people. Oh, yeah. And then the offense, yeah, they loaded it up with weapons, and they have a pretty good O-line. Exactly. And what you're seeing from Jalen Hurts is what you are expecting to see out of him. He's a third-year quarterback. He needs to be progressing, right? So this shouldn't be not a surprise, but no one should be taking this as MVP talk yet. Like, stop. Slow it down. I agree. I think that's early. He's definitely showing that he belongs, though. I think he belongs in the NFL. He's a starting-level quarterback. Whether mm-hmm. or not he's a top 10, top 5 guy, that's still there to be seen. Let's not overhype him yet. Exactly. And just to call back from earlier, you look at the quality of opponents. The Washington defense, that's the number 27th defense in the league. 
Minnesota defense, 30th. Detroit Lions, 28th. Like, you're doing these things against these defenses that you're supposed to. So let's just pump the brakes a little bit. And Washington played him okay for a little bit. If Devontae Smith just didn't go off, it would have been a very pedestrian game. Oh, yeah. What was it? I think he had like 300 yards or something like that. No, it was like 250 or something like that. I think it was lower. I mean, it was fine. It was a good game. He definitely shows that he has the arm talents there. I think he's learning that offense. It's finally in, I think, his second year in the same system, which is going to be very helpful. And he's showing you that he can throw it. Like Washington stuffed that run game for the most part, and he was able to pick him apart. And then they didn't really have to push, which I think is also maybe a part of the reason why he didn't throw more because Washington wasn't doing a whole lot of offense anyway. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So we have a couple of other ones on here, and I'm going to skip this one because I want your thoughts on the commanders. I want to jump to that okay. one. <laughs> okay, we can we can go back to the other stuff, but I we're already here. Please. I mean, I was I was hot during the game and we'll be hot today. <laughs> <laughs> Why is Jack Del Rio not fired yet? Like I think the players are playing well despite of him or in spite of him, whatever it is. They have some players who can play. He is not maximizing what they can do. You just said it. They're almost dead last on defense. And clearly the teams that they played might be better than we thought they were. Like the Jaguars mm-hmm. just smoked the Chargers. Oof, yeah. And then the Lions have been putting up yards and points on everybody. Mm-hmm. So maybe those teams are a little bit better. But this offense is also having some very real problems. that They got to get corrected. So here, my issue with that would be, okay, yeah, they're playing against teams who've put up points, but you invested three first-round picks on that front line. I think Jamin Davis was a second-round pick. Like, you've put capital into this defense. These are not the results that you should be getting. Not at all. I think me and you could be calling better defenses. Like It's true. It wouldn't be that hard. So I just said the Eagles built the right way. The commanders, if you look at them, have a lot of those same things, at least on paper. They have a, like you said, a top... D-line, at least from draft picks, they've spent a lot on cornerbacks. Mm -hmm. And those are kind of your premier defensive player positions. That's what the Eagles have, too. They have very low on linebacker and safety. Same with Washington. They have two very different results. Yeah. I think one team is maximizing their players a lot better than the other. And so that's why you got to get something, someone new in here. He hasn't done anything. He has more than enough time to do it. Fire him and let everyone on defense know that you need to be stepping up. Like they need to be a top half to not even really a top 10 defense. Be doing better. Shut teams down. And it's crazy because Ron Rivera is a defensive minded coach. Like that's his specialty. He has to be embarrassed if just for that fact alone, it doesn't make any sense. We've seen no player development really, except for like maybe one to two guys. We've had all these first-round picks that haven't really shown up that well. Jonathan Allen, I mean, he's playing fine, but is he Aaron Donald? Not that anyone can be, but is he really even Fletcher Cox at this point? Yeah. Like, he's playing good, but he's not just, just you know just taking over a team. Montez Sweat almost gets to people. He's the best at getting pressure without yeah. actually getting a sack. I don't think he has any sacks, but he like leads the league in pressures. 
and you have to believe, right, that uh, when Chase Young comes back, it's going to make a difference. But what's the timetable on that? It's still a couple weeks away. And is he going to make that much of a difference in this defense? They can't yeah. contain quarterbacks, so they can't ever get sacks because the quarterback just rolls out because they don't know how to contain him in the pocket. Mm-hmm. And I feel like so much of that has to be scheme or coaching. They got to do better on that end. That's all I know. You know what, Matt? This, this, that, that moment that you just had, it wasn't as fulfilling as I was hoping it was going to be for me. But you make some very strong points. Okay. So I will give you that. That was a very logical, thought out response to your rage. Me, on the other hand, like I just, I'm blinding white. Like I just, it's a, a shotgun. It could go anywhere. Well, I believe I tweeted during the game just fire everybody. Like just fire the whole team. Because <laughs> obviously, if you've seen them in the last two games, their offensive line is playing terribly. Some of that is Wets too, though. He's been holding the ball way too long, but that's why he's got to so get quicker. Been. Yeah. So not ideal. I think it's going to be a long season, but they got to start now. Start chopping some heads. Okay. Get now, that you, Dan Campbell mentality. Start biting some knees, biting some kneecaps. If you've got three fingers and one toe, doesn't matter. I will beat your ass. <laughs> there you go. We need someone now, like that. Who? Who doesn't want to go to war with that kind of guy? That's why you have to like the Lions. But that's, we're not talking about them right now. <laughs> All right, moving on. So you, you mentioned it's going to be a long season, right? I think no other team can feel that as much as maybe two teams. The first one, though, is definitely going to be the Broncos. Like Nathaniel Hackett, this experiment, it's awful. It is a dud. It's a it's real bad, and do you think also is a whole what's his name Russ Wilson experiment? It has not been go good. Even though I blame that far more on Hackett than anyone else. Agreed. I, there's no way you're going to convince me that Pete Carroll was the engine that was making Russell Wilson look good. Like Russell Wilson has clear natural talent. This scheme in Denver is shit. I. I I don't know what they're doing. You've got one of the better passers in the league, and yet you refuse to stretch the field. That's crazy. It's really terrible. I don't know how they're 2-1. and one. I guess their defense... Well, I do know. Their defense is really damn good. No, their defense played Jeremy Garoppolo. Okay? No, That's stop fair. it. It's their pretty defense good is defense, good. Though. Their defense is good. But Jimmy Garoppolo gifted them... <laughs> Two points, which could have easily been seven points because it was a pick six when he ran out of the end zone. <laughs> what the fuck? True, true. There are They have two wins. Guess how many touchdowns they have so far? Ooh, two. Please enlighten. Two touchdowns. <laughs> two touchdowns, two wins. So they're going to be looking for a third touchdown if they can get through their third win, I'm guessing. You can't keep winning this many games on field goals, but... You're right. Some of it's been quality opponents, right? They beat the Texans, which mm-hmm. we've liked, but no one, we know that they still are growing. Them, but they still have We problems. know that they're still a work in progress. And then, yeah, they beat the 49ers who had Garoppolo. And that was only barely beating the 49ers with Garoppolo. That was like a baseball score. Like, that was ridiculous. At one point, the score was like three to five. <laughs> like, what? What is this shit? 
It was rough. I, I as a fan of football, I was hot. Like, okay, I only get so many hours in my life that I can that I can allot to football, and that's the product that you gave me. Nah, man, Mm-mm. that that is not okay. But I I gotta ask you though, when it comes to this Russell Wilson issue, whatever you're seeing from him or not seeing from him, how do you write the ship? Like, it's not one particular fix, is it? I don't know. He seems like he's uncomfortable, maybe. Maybe that what they're asking him to do isn't what he's great at. I don't know if they're just kind of letting him play. Maybe they're, you know, he's having to think too much because he's also just having some bad misses. It's not yeah. all hack it. Like, there's times where I've seen him just throw it like right into someone's feet because it was yeah. a little bit off. So I don't know. Maybe he just needs to get more comfortable in the system or the system just doesn't maximize his natural talent that he has tons of. But something Maybe. isn't matching very well at all. Yeah, and we said this off uh, off air, but Nathaniel Hackett is like the poster child for I lied on my resume and got this job. <laughs> like he is the poster child for it right now. And there's still time for him to turn it around, but it can't be good if you're bringing in a clock managed specialist in your third game. Like, what are you doing? What? I mean, at least you're owning up that you were fucking that up big time. I don't get how clock management is so difficult, though. Like, it's because you're we, calling the plays. But think about it, though. Okay, it's fourth and four. What are we going to do? Or, no, it was fourth and one. What are we going to do? Okay, uh, let me think. Um, 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 as the clock's still ticking, you've got three timeouts. Why no, timeout. Now let me think. It's not that hard. Like, why, is, why do they make it seem like you're doing long division? To, to know when to call a timeout. It shouldn't be that hard. Everyone else knew it, but I think you have so much going on as a head coach and the play caller that it can be very difficult to just take over and do everything and do it well. We've seen other coaches have similar issues, especially their first year. Like As a head coach, I guess when it's all on you, it's harder, but it seems super obvious to the rest of us. I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, I'm over here talking like Mike McCarthy is a, a game clock management guru. He He's also an idiot. So he's been doing it for years. <laughs> you're right. It, it, who knows? I think it's there's just so much happening that we're not necessarily aware or keen to. But, I mean, I applaud him that, you know, he looks like an idiot getting someone to help him in the third week. But at least trying to right the ship with it, right? Trying to improve on it. We've seen mm. some other people just flat out refuse. They get help looking at Jason Garrett. <laughs> he did get help. He got fired. Okay. <laughs> what better way to help somebody than to fire them? <laughs> I'm going to need you to think about things just with someone else. Improve it exactly. on someone else's team. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go take some time. Get your mind right. But I'm not paying you for it. So mm-hmm. go ahead and go ahead and scooch, buddy. Anyway. Um, and then. We have time for one more, uh, one more topic here. Matt. I think we do. Let's All just... right. So, if we want to stay in the in, a, in the AFC West, right? Okay. So then the it's reported that Mark Davis, owner of the LA uh, Las Vegas Raiders, had a closed door meeting with Josh McDaniels after their third straight loss. Wow. <laughs> they go all in to get Devontae Adams. And they added some other pieces too, right? Like they've spent a bunch of money lately and yeah. they're getting nothing from it. At least in the way of wins. I mean, it's the, really the only way 
to categorize something like this, right? Yeah. You're just at win, Devontae baby. Adams. That's their motto. That's right? their motto. That's, that's their motto. And they're doing the absolute opposite of that right now. And it's awful because they're losing these close games. And to me, when you lose those close games, it always goes back to coaching, game management, things like that. Like either you're doing too much or you're being too conservative. There is no right or wrong answer, I think. But you you got to find a way to steal those wins. Especially against teams like the Titans, who we've been talking about falling off a cliff. They get yeah. their first win against you. Like when it's 0-2, two 0-2 teams, you got to find the way to be the team that wins. Especially when oh. you are supposedly loaded with talent. Supposedly. And I was just taking a look at the numbers. Devontae Adams, the past two weeks, he's like 7 for 48. Like, he's just completely fallen off. They're not utilizing him at all. The funny thing is, I think they're trying. It just isn't working. He's not, he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. Which Maybe apparently that's the difference. makes a significant difference. It makes a difference that Aaron Rodgers isn't throwing you the ball. And if you're Aaron Rodgers, it makes a significant difference that Devontae Adams isn't catching the ball. <laughs> they were like, perfectly paired together. Of course, how long did they play together? I'm sure they were that. on 100% the same page. Like, they knew exactly what was going to happen. But, whoa, 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 whoa. But you can't make that argument in the, for this because him and Derek Carr are, like, best friends. And they played at Fresno State together. That was the whole catalyst for them coming back together. It's, so... It's been a while, uh, uh, though. No. They hang out in the offseason. They work out together. They should know each other like the back of their hands. Do they? Well, does Devontae Adams know in the scheme that the Raiders are running exactly where to go? And Derek Carr knows exactly where he's going to be. So I'm sure Aaron Rodgers could probably run Adams routes for him. He wouldn't do it well, but he could probably go out and do it. (laughs) Like They knew exactly what they were going to do. And I, I get it. I, th- I get where you're coming from. But you're trying to make me believe that in the offseason, when you're working out and hanging out, you're not talking about where I need you to be. You're not talking about the, the nu- nuances to the route at all. Like, I think you're trying to. But I think, what, seven years together actually playing football it makes a big difference than just hanging out sometimes. Hey, it's not just hanging out. They also worked out together. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Against air, I'm assuming. And if we know anything, air gets beat a lot. Okay. Gets beat quite a bit. But I think Josh McDaniels is another one. of like He failed beforehand like pretty yep. badly with Denver. I don't know what made you think he was suddenly much better at this. Because he went back to New England and got back with Tom Brady and then had Mac Jones for his rookie year where no one had any tape on him and he, they put together a playoff team like that's what got him the job and i'm not saying that josh mcdaniels isn't deserving of an opportunity i'm saying that he doesn't appear to be very good at managing players like i think that's the biggest part of head coaching it's about managing the players being a head coach yeah it's not really about x's and o's it's about yeah, yeah relationships managing your coaches too and then mm-hmm. your players and all of that being the leader of the team and having that bite your knee mentality that gets everyone on fucking board to go smash through a wall and play regardless if you're down by 20 points or not and go try exactly. to find the fucking way to win the game. Like, and that's what you have that. to bring. Yeah. They had that in rich Basacha last year. We actually talked about it, that they should have kept him because we saw the way that, that team rallied around him. And you can make the argument that that was a lesser team. 
but they were winning games and la- and they weren't losing the close ones. They were winning the games they were supposed to. They were sticking in tight games. They were more than comfortable with him and they should have stuck with him because the players responded to him. All these owners like these sexy head coaches, right? Like Josh McDaniels. He has Belichick's name attached to him. He's won Super Bowls as an offensive coordinator, I think. Uh, so oh, yeah. they, they need to stop doing that. Yeah, and look for results. Look for the guy who can lead men because that's what you have to do. Exactly. I think that needs to be the criteria when you're looking at a resume. Let me see how the men respond to you. How do you treat these guys? That should be one of the things that they're looking at, and I don't think it is. But again, who were we? We're some Madden GMs, but other than that, <laughs> no one's ready to shell out their wallets for us. I mean, I wish somebody would just give me a couple billion dollars in a football team, and then I can prove to them I know what I'm talking about. So if anybody wants to do that, maybe Jeff Bezos. You've got some money to spare. That's true. You know what? Definitely do that for Matt. Don't give me that kind of ability because I'll just squander it. <laughs> like I know me well enough. I'm not going to do anything like you are, you're asking. So just give it all to Matt. I'm good with this. All right, guys. I think that wraps up our conversations about last week. Let's look ahead to next week. Okay. So I'm going to save the best for last. Let's go ahead and talk about Casey Tampa Bay. Who do you have in this game? Two teams that are kind of underperforming right now, kind of based on expectations, right? Tampa's got some injuries. Mm -hmm. Kansas City, we just talked about their offensive woes. I think Kansas City is still the probably the better playing the better football right now. I think last week they kind of let it go by. They did win two games before. I think I'm going to give it to them this week. I agree. I'm going to give it to Kansas City uh, just for the simple fact that there's so many injuries in the Bucks receiving core. They went out and got Cole Beasley, and there's a chance that he suits up for them. If that's if really that's what you're banking on, you got a, a, a lot of problems on the outside and whatnot. So I'm going to give it to the Kansas City Chiefs as well. Healthier teams uh, tend to win. Yep. Our next game, Buffalo and Baltimore. What Ooh. are we looking at? Baltimore's offense has been playing exceedingly well. Something I kind of want to bring up, I know we hate on Lamar. What he is so phenomenally good at is scoring points. His teams just tend to get a shit ton of points, and that's what wins you games. Regardless if you do it pretty or not, or if you're throwing for 500 yards, doesn't matter if you're not scoring points. It's true. I think because of those injuries we talked about, it's too early to know. I don't know if we know if they're going to be back or not. I'm going to give it to Baltimore, though, just because of the potential injuries. Yeah, I'm also going to go to Baltimore. Uh, I know they also have injuries in their secondary, but I, I think that they have more of an explosiveness to their game when you add in the, the running ability of Lamar Jackson. So I'm going to give it to them. And then for the last game, please, Matt, tee us up. <laughs> tee us up, Matt. Go ahead, buddy. All right. Oh, I don't know if I can know. <laughs> Commanders <laughs> versus Dallas. Really a game of two Titans. You know, just competing amongst each other. This is the must watch game of the week. For at least me and you. Maybe not the rest of the NFL doesn't give a shit at this point, but we certainly care. Hundred percent. So I need to hear you say it, Matt. So who do you think is gonna win? I picked the Eagles last week and was proven right easily. I'm rolling with Dallas. I think you know Micah what? Parsons might set a single game sack record. 
<laughs> I love that, Matt. I love that energy. I, I'm also picking Dallas. You know, just from a pure football standpoint, not nothing to be a homer about. I think Cowboys, they don't have the better offense, but I think they've got the better defense, and that's what's going to win them this game. So when you say they don't have the better offense, I, the Commanders have the better potential for offense, right? Like they can be explosive. They can be dynamic when things are going well. Mm-hmm. But it's like a flip of a coin to know if you're getting good play or terrible play. It's no in-between. It's either amazing or terrible. It's true. It's true. Like, I think they've got great weapons. I love the, the Commanders' weapons. Their offensive line hates their weapons. <laughs> Because they give them no time to get the ball. like I, well, that's, that's what it comes down to. So that's uh, some on Scott Turner. He's been doing these big dropbacks and trying to do deep shots, which I get wanting to do with the, all the speed you have on the outside. But the O-line just can't hold up for it. And then you see also once double clutching a lot. Like he likes to pump fake or like he starts to throw but drops it down. And then after that, it's like three seconds. And then it's too late because that pass rush is there. He's just holding yeah. on to it long, too long. They need to go to the quick game. That's what they need to, to probably establish some stuff like. Just let him get back into rhythm and make it easy. And then once things start going well, that's, take some deep shots. Thank you. Like, this seems like such, the, that's such an easy answer. Like, how do you neutralize a pass rush? Quick game. Like, you take out the pass rush by getting the ball out quick. Whether that be screens, slants, comebacks, out routes, whatever you want to use, that's how you neutralize it. But... If they don't learn that lesson this week, I'm okay with it. Scott Turner hasn't seemed to want to do that yet, but we all right. Well, see. this is your chance to talk to the man directly because I'm sure he listens. Okay. Let him know. I mean, that's know, what man. I didn't get to talk about earlier when I was talking about Commanders. The offense, yeah, make it easy on Wentz. Do some stuff like just slants, like you said. They had a third and short last week. What they did, which I like, but it wasn't really good with what was going on in the game. They had two guys drag across the middle and they did a terrible job of like setting the fake, the natural pick for each other and no one got open. So receivers on short stuff, get open and catch the damn ball when it gets thrown to you. They've had a couple drops on that working the tight ends. I don't know why like Wentz loves throwing the tight ends. He hasn't thrown like that. Any of them. I had Logan Thomas playing. Cause I was like, Oh, the Eagles have given up a ton of points to tight ends. He got like two points. He barely does shit. <laughs> Matt, I can hear it. I can hear your tone <laughs> elevating. <laughs> like I can hear it bubbling up it. on you. I can hear it bubbling I, up on you. <laughs> I held back earlier, but this is coming out now. <laughs> that is so good. That's what I was after. So thank you for that. All right. <laughs> so then it seems like we're both going to go three and zero this week. It looks with our, uh, with our picks. So I think maybe. Oh, good. I think we did okay last week, right? Oh, no, you did way better than I did because I picked okay. Washington and I picked the Giants to win. <laughs> so, and hell, I even think I had to pick Buffalo to win too. You did. So. so, did you miss them all? Did I pick the Giants or did I pick the Cowboys? I don't remember now. I think you picked the Cowboys and you picked Philly. I definitely picked Philly. <laughs> that was obvious. So, I think I said I wanted to pick the Giants, but then I was like, you know, I think the Cowboys. Cooper Rush, I texted this, I tweeted this out, but we don't have nearly enough people paying attention to our tweet. Or tweets. Cooper Rush is number two quarterback at the moment. Mainly because of the use in the division, yeah. Because he is playing within the scheme very well. Wentz can okay. definitely be way better, 
but because we see good ones, it's really good. Bad ones can be really bad. So Rush is nice there and like the mediocre doing okay. Hey, you know what, Matt? I'm perfectly comfortable with your hierarchy of quarterbacks. Doesn't bother me in the least bit. <laughs> Just understand when Brain Dakota Prescott comes back, I want some goddamn respect put on his name. Okay, I'm sick of the slander that people have been throwing around that Dak could, tend, could stand to learn from Cooper Rush or he needs to study Cooper Rush's game. Shut up with that bullshit. Okay, <laughs> do, not, do not come to me with that type of energy. Okay, not today, Satan. Not today. I mean, Dak, Dak's got to show it then. It's been almost a year now since he's been playing really damn well. Okay, I get that the NFL, you know, what have you done for me lately? I get it. I do. But he's been in the league for six years. And in those six years, he's established himself as a top 10 quarterback. Get off of his ass. Okay? Stop living in the past. Let I'm a Cowboys fan. That's all we fucking do. Cooper Rush is the future. Dak is over. In Rush, we trust. <laughs> <laughs> Let Rush cook. <laughs> all right, guys. That wraps up our, uh, our episode this week. It's been a fun one. Um, Matt, where can the people find us? Mainly, you can find us on Twitter at Delay of Game Pod. Also, I mean, if you're listening to us, you obviously know where we're at on the podcast. We're all on all of them, though. Let your friends know. Definitely share us so everyone can also be enjoying our craziness as well. Exactly. We're going to be creating like a, a franchise type situation. We're going to be going to the Delay of Game OnlyFans, uh, the Delay of Game Cam Soda, uh, the Delay of Game Chatterbait. Uh, just say, really getting it all out there. Delay of Game Fine casual restaurants with fried chicken sandwiches and okay, smash I think that burgers. Needs to be at the, that needs to be at the forefront. Let's go ahead and get that one on the on the on the we're, books right away. We're taking the space that FUD Records used to be. We're just going to take <laughs> over that market. Exactly. That's us. Hey, listeners, do us a favor. Tweet at us at, you know, after this episode and tell us the best fried chicken sandwich spot. Because we we have this debate all the time. I got to know which one it is. So please tell us. It's an important discussion, really worth its own podcast if we had the time. Yeah, always time. Anyway, <laughs> guys, it's wit. It's been fun. That's it for us. Until next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>